I'm Dylan Curtis, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're back at it again with an I'm Wondering Podcast episode. Thank you to everyone who's a regular listener and uh, allowed me to have a little bit of time off during the uh, towards the end of Lent and into Holy Week. Um, it's a busy, busy time of year for any pastor, and um, yeah, it's also you know Holy Week's my favorite week of the whole year. Um, so while it is busy and demanding, it's also uh, just a wonderful um, refocusing for me uh, about what this is all about. Um, so hope you had a wonderful time, uh, wherever you are, where, wherever you're listening from that you enjoyed your Holy week. Uh, if you're one of those Eastern Orthodox people, I guess your Easter is this Sunday. So I hope, uh, hope you enjoy that. Um, so this week we are, uh, going to cover something pretty important. We're going to talk about the gospel, uh, particularly what is the gospel? Um, someone the other day, uh, said, um, we're really good at using theological terms without defining them. Uh, I think I've said that on the podcast before uh, and, and have been uh, guilty of it uh, myself, so I very much agreed with what this person had to say. Um, and I realized I just finished a course on what Lutherans call law and gospel. Um, so interestingly, some of you listening, uh, of course, may be um, Lutheran and not really have much of an idea of what we mean by law and gospel, because um, we tend to use those terms without um, defining them. Um, again, I'm super guilty of this. Um, so I realized that if people like pastors, uh, myself included, communicate in a way that others can't follow or don't really know what the definition is, uh, are we actually communicating? Um, the law and gospel paradigm is really central part of Lutheran theology, uh, yet it tends to really only get explained to pastors um, and in the Lutheran tradition. Um, so I'm not going to be focusing uh, really on the law side just for this for this podcast episode, but um, I wanted to explain what uh, what the gospel is, at least you know. This is my summation, and I understand that people have uh, a different view, so I'm not um, going to argue too much about that, but um, just figured it'd be fun to kind of talk about what is the gospel, because uh, it's been kind of burning in, in my spirit uh, after taking the class. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about what that means, um, and it turns out the answer is maybe um, not as simple as we'd all expect. Um, there's a lot of unspoken assumptions uh, amongst, uh, at least, especially the Protestant sect. Um, so we're going to start actually with the origin of the word um, that we would translate into gospel or good news or glad tidings. Um, there's a couple different things that the word in Greek has been translated into, um, but it actually doesn't start with Jesus. Um, gospel in Greek, um, euangelion means typically good news or glad tidings. The original use of this word uh, began with the Greeks. Um, typically, when a military victory was accomplished, the victor would 
bring the euangelion or good news, glad tidings to the people. Uh, there were people who were the messengers or heralds of this good news. Uh, in scripture, of course, we see the, um, you know, blessed are the feet of those who bring glad tidings. Um, so there's some origin in, in Greek culture to do with that. So, uh, after the heralds came, uh, typically the leader of whatever um, victory this was uh, arrives. They're met with a procession um, and celebration. Uh, when Rome was more of a republic, these were um, these triumph events, what they were called, um, were organized and approved by the Senate itself. Um, when there was the emergence of sort of the dictatorial um, in, emperor system, um, they had the power to hold their own triumphs in their own honor. Uh, so you can imagine uh, how that all works out. <laughs> uh, you know, because no leader has ever abused their power, right? No emperor would ever abuse their power. Um, another key piece of Euangelion uh, was how people um, viewed the victor uh, who was bringing this good news. Um, the victor was often given a godlike stature. Um, their victory was on account of the gods, so they were favored by them. Um, with emperors, this was taken even a step further. Um, people thought they actually were descendants of the gods. Um, they were divine in a certain sense. Um, and that's sort of the cultural understanding of um, good news or glad tidings within the time period that Jesus descended uh, to earth. So focusing on Jesus, the euangelion of Christ is different than that of military leaders and emperors. Um, the first and probably most obvious is that we believe the good news of Christ is an eternal event. Um, the kingdom of this world may have uh, good news for a period of time, but it does not last for eternity. Uh, you know, Caesar, I'll put it this way, Caesar may bring peace one day, uh, but war the next. Um, this is not the case with Christ. His good news is forever and unchangeable. If the good news of this world means victory, then uh, the good news of Christ must mean victory as well. Um, and it does. I mean, it's a victory over sin, death, uh, and the devil, um, is the primary victory, um, and this is a secured victory, right, because it's not subjected to another war breaking out. Um, the war, of course, at the end of days uh, has not occurred um, yet, um, but we already know that when it does, that Christ has won the war. Um, so the similarities to the Greek understanding and Jesus uh, also, those include um, him being attributed, of course, as the victor. Um, so he is the one who has brought the euangelion. Uh, you know, in fancy sort of theological terms, this is typically called um, Christus victor or Christ as the victor. Um, also, there you have the parallel there of, of divinity attributed to the victor. Uh, of course, I think the Greeks missed the mark here because they attributed divinity to those who are not, in fact, divine, uh, whereas Jesus is divine. Uh, he is the Son of God. Um, so similar comparison, different conclusion there, uh, which actually does lead to an important point. 
Um, the Apostle Paul used Galleon frequently when speaking of the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, many of the Gentiles he ministered to would have heard this and known exactly the comparison Paul was making uh, to the emperors of their time. Um, there is, of course, some debate uh, if Paul was trying to be sort of subversive here, contradicting the traditional understanding of good news in the Roman and Greek culture. Um, you know, whether that was Paul's intent or not, actually, I would argue doesn't matter all that much because what Jesus accomplished inherently subverts the rulers of this world. Um, it's just impossible to avoid that, um, that his reign completely subverts the reign of rulers in this world. Um, so now, now that I've brought up the fact that Paul used this word a number of times, um, I want us to go through some of the biblical definitions of gospel based on how you know he uses the word, and we'll look, of course, at some of the gospel writers as well. Um, a good place to start is Romans 1, 16 through 17, uh, which says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, uh, euangelion there, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Uh, so one of the things that super messed with me when I took the law gospel class was the idea that um, the forgiveness of sins isn't the central part of the gospel. Um, it is the result of the gospel, but not the content, if you will, not the core of the gospel. Uh, I personally, when... Uh, I heard that was like, uh, excuse me, uh, what, what, what do you mean by that? Because um, that's sort of how I had always kind of heard this, right? Like the, the best good news to hear is the, the forgiveness of sins. That's the true gospel. Um, I thought that was kind of the whole idea. Uh, and in the Protestant sect, that I mean, we hammer a lot on, on forgiveness of sins and justification. Um, but let's sort of break down what Paul is actually saying here. He's actually not saying that the gospel itself is salvation, but it is the power of God for salvation for any who believe. The content of the gospel then is not the pronouncement of the forgiveness of sins, as I had always thought, uh, even though that is a result for any who believe in the gospel. Also, uh, in the gospel is the righteousness of God being revealed in faith, um, as Paul says in verse 17. Uh, so here, I think we're getting maybe a tad closer to what uh, the gospel might mean with God's um, self-revealing, um, and it has something to do with the righteousness of God being revealed, but I don't think we're quite to the core of the gospel yet. Um, if, you, if we go just one chapter further, we see another sort of outcome of the gospel in Romans 2, 15 through 16, which says... They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, euangelion, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Whatever this gospel is that Paul's referring to, uh, we can be sure that it means God's, God judges our secrets through Jesus. Um, that is good news, but again, it's not the, it's not the central gospel claim. Um, so let's go to some of the gospel writers here. 
do they plainly state what the gospel is? Matthew um, 4.23 and 9.35 both mention the gospel being of the kingdom. Um, I'll quote 9.35 here, which says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So we can surmise from that that the gospel is something proclaimed. Uh, It comes from the kingdom. Uh, But we're still not there on what the gospel is exactly. Um, In a similar vein, the gospel is called at different points in scripture, the gospel of God and gospel of Christ. Um, So the content of the good news is about God and his kingdom in some way. So probably the um, best definition of the gospel, um, and we could debate Galatians is a great place for it as well, but I really like what Paul says, um, and I don't want to keep dancing around all these pieces and, and you know, kind of cutting up what is the outcome of the gospel, what is the core proclamation of the gospel. So let's just kind of get to it a little bit more here. Um, this is Paul in 1 Corinthians um, 15, 1 through 8, uh, and he says this, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. So what is the word he preached to them? Verse 3 through uh, 8 breaks it down for us. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. So here's the gospel message. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, some have passed away. Uh, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Uh, I don't know what Paul necessarily means by abnormally born, but anyways... So if I was to sort of give a quick definition, uh, my own quick definition, I would say the gospel uh, is the unchangeable actions and promises of God secured through Jesus Christ. He died for our sins is a gospel statement, but the forgiveness of sins is not in the sense that not everyone will have their sins forgiven. Uh, additionally, he died according to the scriptures, meaning he fulfilled the many prophecies about himself, which guarantees all the promises that came before this action. There is actually, I think, a gospel and law statement in this line, the gospel being he died according to the scriptures, and the law being our utter inability to live up to the scriptures, which made it necessary for him to die. Uh, last, his resurrection is a gospel statement. He is forever raised from the grave. Uh, this means, of course, that we will be raised from the grave. But again, that is not the gospel statement because some will be raised into eternal damnation. Um, so now, all of that being said, all the things we often say about the outcomes of the gospel are true Um, It is good news that our sins are forgiven, we are reconciled with God, Uh, we will be raised again, we will have eternal life, Um, all the things we often preach about. This is good news, but 
It's not the good news. The gospel is entirely about God, his kingdom, and what he has done. Um, it is the proclamation about him that is the gospel. Uh, if anything, we've tried many times over to interject ourselves into the center of the gospel when we don't belong. Um, this doesn't mean the gospel doesn't change everything for us. Uh, it certainly does. But it is ultimately not about humanity, even if we benefit from it. So some of you may be thinking that I'm splitting hairs here, uh, which I might be. Um, but let's kind of take this all back to the euangelion in Greek culture. Uh, euangelion, or good news, was always um, brought to the people after the leader secured victory. Uh, what did the people do during this time? Uh, a few may have fought, of course, by the side of the leader, but most people hid behind their walls and waited for victory to be declared. Um, when it comes to the gospel, we didn't just hide behind the wall. Uh, we were trapped behind it because of our sins. Um, and unlike the mighty rulers of the Greek and Roman world, Jesus didn't have any soldiers by his side, um, and he didn't need them. Um, but all of that said, the gospel is purely about him and what he accomplished. From that flows all the amazing things we declare as Christians. Um, so I did a summary statement for this class, um, and I'm going to give you my summary statement of the gospel um, and then kind of talk a little bit more about this. But this was my summary statement uh, of what the gospel means. Uh, the Lord Jesus, whom all things were made in and through, which is Colossians 1.16, descended to the earth by taking on flesh, uh, Philippians 2.6-7. He lived a life of perfect obedience to the Father, uh, John 5.30, fulfilled the law, Matthew 5.17, which made him the perfect sacrifice for sins, Hebrews 10.12. But the sacrifice is not the entire story, because Christ rose from the grave, Romans 10.9, and ascended into heaven, Acts 1.9. He is seated in all power at the right hand of the Father, 1 Peter 3.22. As he has promised, he will return to complete his work, which will bring about the resurrection, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.16. And the new and perfected creation, Revelation 21.1-5. Then all will worship him for the king he has always been. Uh, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. This is the proclamation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to all the world, the King, and Ki King of kings and Lord of lords. So that's my gospel statement. It all, it all has to do with what Jesus did. There is some outcome language in there, of course, but it's all about what he, he has done, he has accomplished, he has secured. None of that will ever change whatsoever based on humanity, based on any other circumstance, and that's why it's good news. It is a eternally secured thing that Jesus has done. It is a promise to all who hear it, um, and that's why it is good news. Um, and I would say all good news flows from this pronouncement of the king's arrival and accomplishments. You know, our justification as sinners, um, Galatians 2, 15 through 16, our redemption from the curse of the law, uh, Galatians 3, 13 through 14. Our adoption as heirs, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. 
the future resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 28, and being spared from the sting of death, 1 Corinthians 15, 52 through 57. Um, there are many more good news announcements throughout Scripture, but they are all anchored in this primary gospel announcement of King Jesus' arrival, what he has done, what he has accomplished, what he has secured. Um, some listening, you may disagree with my summary. Um, there is, of course, plenty of debate on what the core of the gospel is. Uh, Jesus is always included, of course, but some will focus more on that forgiveness uh, of sins as the center. Some will focus on the faith and belief aspect, uh, which, which I would argue, argue makes the gospel conditional. It's suddenly a law again that you, it's, it's only good news if you're believing, um, which the gospel is not conditional. Though, of course, it's central in receiving the gospel, so don't hear me say that faith and belief isn't a very central part. Um, and I can see why people see it this way, but it makes it conditional if you say, if you believe. Suddenly it's a law again, versus Jesus is Lord. That is a gospel statement. Jesus is Lord no matter what, uh, and he will always be Lord. Um, you know, and others might focus sort of on that righteousness we receive. Um, I personally would rather focus solely on God than include my sinful self in this story. Um, I'm deeply grateful for the gospel and that it is all about God. Um, so there you go. That's it for today. That's my uh, episode on what is the gospel. Uh, hopefully it will spark some interesting conversation. Hopefully I did some justice to the teacher of my class uh, and didn't completely butcher it. Um, but I don't think he listens. But if he does, if he does, <laughs> Steve, please let me know. Um, but I found this interesting. Um, this class was really uh, um, something new for me to wrestle with, a new understanding of, of how to understand the gospel. Um, I didn't get into the law side. Maybe I will at some point because um, that's really fascinating as well. Um, the law is what pushes us to the gospel, so um, it's kind of central to talk about that. But um, before I go, uh, I do want to ask an I'm wondering question. I'm wondering... Uh, what was your favorite memory from Lent or Holy Week? Mine is Good Friday. Uh, it tends to always be Good Friday. Um, probably one of my favorite services um, because it makes it makes Easter in a lot of ways. They go together. Um, it's, it's really I don't understand how you how people in in some churches and I'm trying not to sound too judgmental here, but I don't understand how you can have Easter without Good Friday. And Good Friday is uh, solely despair if you don't have Easter, um, but they're so powerful together. Um, so I, I love it for that reason. Um, but I would love to know what your favorite memory was. Um, and you can do that by emailing me at the I'm Wondering Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, but for now, I'm Dylan, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. <laughs>